Good morning. morning. Hi. Um, so this is so much fun for me. I had the privilege of sharing at the 10 o'clock service and they were really sweet and I'm excited to be here with you and sharing with you guys. Um, I told 10 o'clock it's been quite a peaceful morning for me. I didn't have to get five children ready for church and get them here and get all the toys out of their pockets and, you know, all the nonsense. So <laughs> it's been really peaceful. But I'm excited about what the Lord is um, saying and doing in my life. And so that's just really what I want to bring to you to share this morning is just kind of a little bit about what he's saying and doing. We've already had a really crazy, intense summer. Um, it started with the first weekend of June, Jeff and I went to the Heaven Come Conference in Dallas, which is Bethel Music's production. Um, we laugh because we say it's a lot of our spiritual YouTube mothers and fathers. Uh, and so Chris Valton and Bill Johnson and all these incredible people were there and some of our favorite worship leaders and just to, you know, sing um, All Hail King Jesus with Jeremy Riddle and Rita Spring. I mean, it was incredible. Um, and it was powerful in corporate worship, but we really missed being here. You know, like there's something really unique that happens here in worship and the presence of God shows up. And um, so we were excited to come back. And then about a week later, we went to West Virginia with Pastor David Chisholm's church um, to put on with a few really fiery leaders here, our young adult uh, lit team members and Jeremy and Lauren Haynes, um, a summer camp for two sister churches there and the Holy Spirit came and did some incredible things. Um, I feel like we all moved in a new level of God's love through the prophetic and words of knowledge for these kids. And so that was powerful. And then about a week later, um, many of us, about 80, I think, went to Presence in Austin. So that was really cool to see and sit under Misty Edwards, and my children got to meet their role model, Todd White, and it was just really awesome. Um, and so now I've come home to Chris Burns preaching about the garden of our heart and Pastor David talking about heart soil. And so those are just right up my alley and right in line with what the Lord is saying and doing um, for me. And so today, I mean, I, he asked me to, Pastor David asked me to speak last Sunday and, you know, I spent some time with the Lord, but I just didn't feel the need to like orchestrate this message out of obscurity that would impress you and draw on your intellect and be some new revelation you've never heard of. Um, I just feel th the need to share what's on my heart and what God is saying in and through that parable and those words and what God is doing here as a church. And so that's where I'm coming to you today is just to share from that place. Um, because I really believe, many of you know a lot about my story, my journey, my family, um, even just my life in the last 18 months or so, um, and I believe he's writing that story. And so because we're family, I feel like um, he's interweaving those stories, mine and yours, together, and when he speaks, it can bless all of us, and my prayer is that he gets the glory. So if you'll just join me in prayer, I just want to invite him in this morning. Dear Jesus, we just love you. We love you so much. You are so faithful and you are so good. God, my prayer this morning is that you would meet us here, that you would speak this morning what's on your heart, that there would not be an idle word out of my mouth, God, but that you would get every bit of glory in my story and my testimony and what you're doing. 
God, that you would mark your faithful ones. Jesus, I bless every person here this morning. I honor you for your commitment to seek the Lord in his house. And I just pray, Lord, that you would bless them with something that's straight from the throne room this morning. That Holy Spirit, you would do an incredible, mighty work. We love you, Lord, and we honor you. We bless your name. Most of you know a little bit about me. I am a teacher at Flower Bluff High School. I've been there for 10 years uh, this past year, teaching high school English, sophomore and senior English. And um, I'm married to this stud muffin over here. (laughs) And we have five children together. We actually will be married five years in November. We've been members here for four, and we... If you, I don't, I'm not getting into it today, but if you know a little bit about us, we have this really redemptive story of how God brought us together as a blended family, and um, my ex-husband now is a member of this church and his wife, and anyway, this, this really incredible story of redemption, and so that's kind of who we are, and we're also the high school leaders of the Regeneration Ministry, um, and that's been really neat for me because my heart in the classroom is to love on the youth of today and to inspire them to what God has for them, but I'm in the public school, so that looks a little differently, um, but here, it's just a free-for-all, you know? I just, they ask me questions, they're excited, and I get to share what God's done with me since I was in youth and then serving in youth until I was teaching youth. Um, And so that's really close to my heart. But last week, um, Pastor David was preaching on the parable of the sower. And so um, what I do every week is I take notes. Um, I'm a note taker. (laughs) I have journals upon journals of just notes. And then I take those to the Lord. And I asked the Lord, what are you saying about this? You know, if this is the right now rhema, living, breathing word of God for our church and our family, then what does it look like to put this word into practical use? And so as I'm preparing to like preach and I want to honor your time and I want to do something that honors the Lord and, and, and speaks to what he's doing, I realized there was nothing I needed to fabricate. Um, my life and how I'm stewarding the word of God is the message today. Um, because that's his heart, is that, that we would sow into that and we would cultivate the word, the seed that he plants every week um, here at this house. And so um, that's kind of what I wanted to share. I, I really love parables. Um, I'm a storyteller myself. My mom was an incredible storyteller. And so there's this component in me that just loves the element of a story. Um, I heard a quote that I tell my students sometimes. I don't know who said it, but it's that we are not so complicated, you and I. We are all just our own collection of countless little stories. So I feel like a parable does that because it's concise You know, its power and its efficiency is in its simplicity and its brevity, and it's the fact that you have this little tool, you know, that you can memorize and you can take it into your daily life and apply it. And so last week, Pastor David said something that was in my notes, and it was, the parable of the sower is not a momentary decision. It is a lifelong dedication. And so I pondered on that and just kind of sat with that for a little bit, because what it's taught me is that this parable is a foundational parable. 
The reason it's foundational is because in Matthew 13, it would be the first of eight, right? That he would tell the first four would be to the masses, to the crowd as he's on the boat and they're on the shore. The next four would be to the disciples alone. But it's, it's important to understand this one because it's key and essential to understanding the next seven. And so I really wanted to understand what this one was saying and what it meant. We also know that approximately a third of Jesus' teaching were in parables and that they were always intended to reveal the nature of the kingdom of God. A.W. Tozer says that he was an incredible prophet, and I'm just kind of tapping into his stuff. I, I know I've heard quotes from him, but I'm now kind of getting into his books. And um, there's something that he said, which is, a preacher's parables are used to simplify the truth, while Jesus' parables were meant to obscure it. And the reason for that is because it's like the truth of a parable of these little stories that he would speak in were almost like riddles. You know, it was like the treasure was tucked away. And the reason for that is because many of the people in the crowds were there to deny him. They were there to expose him. They were there to prosecute him and persecute him. And they were ready to put him on trial at any point for being a fraud. And so the way that a parable works is to those who are listening with unbelief, it intensifies it and it confuses them and it frustrates them and they leave without any consequence. It, nothing transpires, nothing transforms. But to those of us who hear a parable with an open mind, here's the key, and an open heart to all that God is saying, it actually unlocks truth and revelation for the faithful. And so he spoke in these, and Pastor David shared this last week, but after Jesus shared the parable of the sower, the disciples asked Jesus, why do you speak in parables when you talk to the people? This is Matthew 13, verse 10, right? After the three through nine. And he replies in verse 11, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you and not to them. See, he's given us the keys to the kingdom, but we have to be readers of the word of God and then steward that. We sit in an incredible house here with incredible seeds being planted all of the time, right? But then we have to cultivate that and we have to sit with that and we have to water that seed and make sure that it's implanted and it's engrafted to the soil of the garden of our souls. And so it's important for me to know that he's unlocked it for me, but it takes a response on my part. Yes. The kingdom always requires a response. I was reading A.W. Tozer says in, in The Pursuit of God that the word accepting Christ is never in the Bible. The word accepting, it's like, go find Jesus. And then we're like, we found him. Like, nope, that's not how it works. It's this crazy paradox, right, of I found him and yet I seek him still. It's Moses saying, like, I've seen you and you re you've revealed yourself to me and yet I want to see your glory like, I'm coming harder after you, though I know you. I know that there's parts of you I don't know yet. And see, we sing these worship songs, and we have this posture, and it's kind of part of our culture, which I love, but this is a scary posture, guys. This is a scary posture. Getting a prophetic word, we do this, right? We're like, I receive it, I receive it. Leadership, yes, prophet, healer, da-da-da. This is a scary place to be. 
Because you know what you're saying? Someone is saying, I see this calling on you and this leadership calling and this healing ministry and all these wonderful things, but you're saying, God, get me to the place that it requires to become that. And that is a painful process. I mean, it's beautiful and it's glorious and he's there and you're like sucking carpet, but like it can be painful, right? Like it's hard. Those of us that have walked with the Lord, you're like, I was prophesied over and I got on my prophetic words and they're so beautiful and they're so awesome. But then like to get to where you have to be to sustain that blessing. Bill Johnson says that when you have a crack in your foundation, so a part of my soul is not well. Part of my soul is sick. The garden of my heart has thorns and thistles and weeds. Things that the enemy planted, things that my flesh planted, things that my survival mechanisms planted over time with hurt and pain. See, if I have a crack in that and then the blessing of God comes, it will then break my foundation. The weight of the blessing will hurt me. But if I have a firm foundation and I've gone to the Lord and said, look at the garden of my soul and take out, rip out anything that is now attached to me and grown out of me and is going to be painful to let go of, but take it away so that my foundation is firm and the soil of my garden is pure so that that blessing, then the weight of it establishes me. That's something much different. And so you're in this posture of receiving whatever God is saying, and it's really beautiful, but we understand that he's saying, this is only for those who are faithful. This parable, this story is really only for those of you who are listening with the intent of an open heart and an open mind. And so the parable of the sower. We've heard this many times. What intrigues me about the four types of soil is that like, does this, this, when you hear that parable, do you think, yeah, there's four types, right? Four conditions. And like three are really bad. (laughs) Anyone else like think like that? Like I'm like, oh, I'm not, I'm not a mathematician. Um, I don't even like fractions, but like, (laughs) like we're three times more likely to mess this up if we don't understand the gravity of this parable right? So last night it's like 10 p.m. and Jeff's like, what do you got? And this whole week I've been like, I don't know. Like, uh, hopefully, you know, Jesus shows up. <laughs> like, crash and burn. I'm not sure. And so uh, he's like, I said, I'm going to talk about the parable of the sower. And it's just on my heart to talk about the first, you know, two to three types of soil. And he's like, really? Because like, I've read that and I skip over those and I just get to the good ground and I yell out and he screams at me, make me good ground, God. And we're like in our bedroom. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I get it. Um, stop yelling. And then number two, like they didn't ask him to speak. So we're not talking about the good ground. We're going to talk about the first three types of soil because like everybody wants the good soil, right? But I've been with youth like since I was a youth. And the issue is, is that I could preach the good soil all day long to them. But ultimately I keep seeing them fall in one, two, and three. And it's important for me because, you know, I kind of have a rebellious heart, that whole stronghold, like, restoring our identity thing. I'm like, it's not rejection. I don't feel rejected. I just am going to rebel. And that's my go-to. <laughs> and, um, and so that my go-to is to rebel from whatever he says to do, right? Like, I don't even like certain types of food. But if you put me on a diet and say you can't eat that, like, I'm going to crave that now because you said I couldn't have it. All of a sudden, that's what I want. So, um, I don't know why I started talking about that. Uh, Track, track it. The three types. So, yes. (laughs) So the issue is, like, let's look at those three, though. 
And let me figure out how I can look at someone who's my own child, who's a student in my classroom, who's a youth in our regeneration program, and even in my, the contents of my own heart and say, like, how do I prevent falling in one, two, or three? Because what I learned was, is in these four scenarios, they're not progressive. It's not like one is for those that don't know the Lord, and then like two is, it's not like that. It's like we could, any of us, be susceptible to any soil condition based on the soil of our heart in that area in our walk with God. And so for me, um, this was kind of powerful because in that first example, Matthew 13, 4, it says, the sower sowed seed and some fell by the wayside and the birds came to devour them. Jesus goes on to explain in verse 19 that the seed that fell on the footpath, right? He called this the wayside, Pastor David, two weeks ago represents those who hear the message about the kingdom of God and don't understand it, and then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. And see here, this is tricky for me, because when I hear, like, they don't understand the word of God, I immediately think, like, there's parts of the Bible I don't understand. Like, the enemy's going to snatch the seed because I don't get it. I don't understand this part. This doesn't make sense to me. But that's not what this is saying. It doesn't say that because your mind absorbs everything that the written word has to say, that's not what it's talking about. What's it talking about in a parable? Am I reading it with the intent of having a clean heart, an open heart and an open mind? And if I am, then I pray for wisdom. And I understand that the word of God is living and breathing and it's a supernatural experience. And I will not understand that supernatural book without supernatural aid. And if I limit everything I read to my mind has to comprehend it, then I'm omitting and averting from the fact that I'm a spirit. And my spirit can absorb something that my mind doesn't get because my mind was not created to understand God in his fullness. My spirit was. Right? So it's not like I have to understand everything I read, but it's the idea that I have to, this word understand means I have experienced the word in my five senses. When I heard the word, I made it practical. I then experienced that word somehow, some way, and it became engrafted. That seed went from the topsoil down into the garden, and it was no longer vulnerable to theft, and it became a part of who I am and a part of who the Lord is for me. Because here's the thing, we live in a culture where Pastor David, Marlene, and Jeremy, we have guest prophets, we have keynote speakers, we have Brad McClendon and Kevin Leo and Dan Moeller and Rick Pino and all these incredible people coming into this house. And we hear amazing words of wisdom all the time. But if we just get emotional in the moment, if we feel the God goosebumps in the midst of his presence or maybe even his conviction, but then we go right back to the way that we were before the conference before the supernatural normal night. The issue becomes that after that moment passes, the seed of the living, breathing, right now, rhema word of God becomes vulnerable to theft. And then watch what it says. Matthew 13, 19 says, the enemy snatched away what was sown in their hearts. It doesn't say he snatched away what was sown in their minds. So here's what happens. It means that we sit under this wealth of wisdom, kingdom wisdom, and we have this abundance of truth and light being preached on a continual basis. And then we're in a beautiful culture of grace and the love of Christ and wisdom and what it means to be led by the spirit of God and walking in freedom and in truth. But here's the thing. If the good word on Sunday doesn't change us, the enemy steals the seed of that word and the eternal impact it was always intended to have on our lives is stolen. 
And then here's the lie. We will have felt the potential of the word and our minds will remember that moment in the conference or on Wednesday night. And it will feel familiar and we will nod and say amen. Oh, I've heard that. Yep. That word, Brad McClendon preached on that in 2015. I can go back to a journal and show you. Yep, and then Kevin talked about it in October of that year, and then you're saying it again here. And we can feel like it resonates with part of who we are, but it's resonating with this, and it never transformed this, and it never bears fruit. And the garden of our hearts will remain barren. And it doesn't have to become about performance. See, the thing is, is that we shouldn't hear this and then go, okay, so I heard a word of God and then like now I have to go and the next three people, okay, here's your formula. Leave here. The first three people you see, go tell them about Jesus so that the word gets in ground. It's not a formula. It's now I take the word of God and I take it to the Lord and I say, what does this look like for me? What does this look like in my life? Jesus, show me. Show me so that I now know you in this new capacity so that I walk with you deeper in this area that I never have because for someone it looks like coming to men's ministry. For someone, it looks like not going to men's ministry on Thursday night and spending some time with the Lord because you're doing ministry and you don't know him. Do you see what I mean? It can't be a formula. It has to be what the Lord is saying to you. Because here's the thing. If we truly understand the significance of the word and discern its importance to Jesus, it will change us. It will change the way that I live or perform. It will change me. And it will become a practical way of life. When we hear the word of God and take it to Jesus, letting him show us how to put it into practice in our daily lives in a practical way, it becomes an implanted, or I like this word, an engrafted word down in the soil of our hearts, no longer untouched, Resting on the topsoil and vulnerable to the fowl of the air to steal it. In James 21, it says, humbly accept the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. What saves me? The engrafted, implanted word of God. I want to talk to you just briefly. I didn't get to this in the first service, and I'm thankful we have a little bit more time because it's on my heart. Um, For the last 18 months, I've had to struggle with sickness stuff. Um, which for me was exceptionally hard because number one, my mom and grandmother, her mother, both died prematurely of sickness. And number two, it was difficult because I have been prophesied over that I have a calling and an anointing on my life to heal the sick, to believe in faith that God would use my hands to heal them. And here I am for over a year and a half. I've been in countless doctor's appointments, undergoing radiation and quarantine, Massive hair loss, fatigue, weight loss, and then weight gain, headaches, thyroid, and autoimmune disease, numbness and pain, and a handful of medical specialists saying, we can't heal you. We can give you meds, right, to deal with it, but they have a list of their own side effects, and we can't promise this will stop, and you may not ever get an answer as to what it is. And so I would cry out to the Lord, and I would ask him where he was in all of this, And I would listen to podcasts on healing all the way to and from doctor's appointments with specialists in San Antonio, and I was in soil number two. I had received the prophetic word of the Lord with joy in this posture, right? 
healing ministry, healer, yes, I have a heart for healing. I want to see it. I want to see blind eyes open. I want to see deaf ears. I want to see the whole thing. We want to see people raised from the dead. We're straight up. We read the Bible. (laughs) Uh, We see what it says we can have, and we want it. So I don't know. That's kind of crazy in today's culture. Um, Try that on in a senior English class first period, and they're like, oh, she's crazy. (laughs) She's crazy. She's lost her mind. Praise the Lord, I haven't been fired. So, <laughs> oh, this is being live streamed. Okay, so um, <laughs> we write essays and stuff, guys. It's great. Um, anyway, <laughs> so the point is, is we want what the Bible says we can have, right? Like, we want that. And I'm like, yes, 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 I want it, I want it, I want it. And he says, you know what? You don't know me as Jehovah Rapha. Come on. But you don't know me like that. And I'm like, great. So introduce me to him. (laughs) We'll be fine. Um, But that's not how it works. And see, here's the thing. I did not know him. This, the garden soil of my heart as my healer, I didn't know. And I honestly didn't even trust him in that because I can live in full peace knowing that my mom and my grandmother were women of the faith and they're in heaven and they're great and they're healed and they're whole and I've had visions and dreams and conversations with my mother. Like I have no hardness of heart towards the Lord about that. But I didn't see him heal her on this side of eternity. And like when Jesus explains in verses 20 and 21 about the seed that fell on rocky ground, I heard the message, the prophetic word, And I immediately received it with joy. But since I did not have deep roots in healing, his ability or desire to heal me, when persecution and trouble came because of the prophetic word of healing, I stumbled. Guys, I was arrested in fear. The people that know me, that knew me in this house, knew that I was like arrested, like torment in the night, like torture with the spirit of fear. Spirit of death was in my bedroom It was heartbreaking. It was gut-wrenching. It handicapped everything that I did. The pain was one thing. It wasn't just the pain. It was the torment that comes with the pain when you don't really know if you can trust God. And see, I do have deep soil in some areas. I've been walking for him for a very long time. I shared in the first service that I know him as Jehovah Jireh. I know him as my provider. You will never be able to tell me God won't provide. I have seen it. I have seen him. He is so faithful. That soil is deep. He provided me when I had nothing. He put groceries on my doorstep when I had $1.19 in my bank account and couldn't buy bread so that my three-year-old could try peanut butter and jelly for the first time. I have seen him show up as Jehovah Jireh. I had not seen him as Jehovah Rapha. And how can I give something I don't have? How can I impart a faith to heal if I don't have faith for healing? Did he make me sick? Absolutely not. Was he like, here, sickness, so that you can grow? And he-? No, absolutely not. We don't believe that. That's not biblical. And don't you let anyone tell you that it is. He's not giving you cancer so that you can cling to him. I give this illustration to my students all the time, and then they take it out of context, and I look crazy. But... <laughs> If I made my son sick just a little bit every day, like I put poison in his juice cup every day so that then he had to stay home from school and I could nurse him back to health, I would be like a nutcase. That is so perverted. 
And then they go to the next class and they say, I think Miss Pinkman puts bleach in her son's shoes. <laughs> no, that's not what I was saying. I was saying that a good father doesn't do that. He's not going to give you cancer. He doesn't have cancer. He's not going to give me an illness. He doesn't have it. He, what, how can he give me something he doesn't have? But when the enemy came to steal the prophetic word in my life, in my identity as a daughter, do I think the Lord said, whoa, daughter, you got your chance. Let's go. You're fine. I wouldn't call you into this wilderness if I didn't have the tools and your victory on the other side. Yeah. Baby, believe in me. Believe in me. This is your chance. Let's live out this walk of faith. Let me prepare your heart and your character so that you know in your innermost being that I am your healer. Baby girl, I'm your healer. I'm your healer. I'm your healer. You can trust me. And then you've got a family who's loving you through it. You've got a husband who like, believes in you when you can't believe in yourself. You have a mama and you have friends visit you in the hospital when they're saying you probably have a mess. And you have a friend coming over and praying for you on New Year's when you're burning and you feel like you're on fire. You gotta be in this family, guys. You can't do this alone. You are meant to do this alone. See, we know that there's greatness inside of you. And if you're here, we feel like that you were divinely called to the seat that you're sitting in. And we wanna see what the goodness and greatness that God has put in you is made of. But you, this path is difficult and it's arduous. And in some places, our soil is really shallow. But there have been people who they had deep soil in Jehovah Rapha. And they prayed and imparted that faith into me. Yeah. And that's what this is about. It's about family. It's about it meaning something. It's about honoring the seeds of this house that are good. They're good, guys. Thank you. <laughs> oh, mess. Thank you. And so I would pray to God. At first it was like, heal me, heal me, heal me. Deliver me, deliver me, deliver me. <laughs> deliver me from this, like in Egypt, you know. <laughs> Red Sea, part it, let's go. And then uh, he then deliver me, deliver me, deliver me. The context changed. And it was deliver me from a spirit of fear. Deliver me from unbelief. Deliver me from, sorry, desiring peace in my body more than your presence. And I spent time with him one day on the beach, and after an hour of like nothing, silence, me just crying, he said, you've been seeking my peace in the absence of your pain, and I need you to seek my peace in the presence of your pain so that your faith will not be swayed by the measure of your comfort. And it marked me, guys. It marked me. And then he would go on for an hour and a half to just reveal truth about his word, about my healing, he would show me his heart to heal parts of my soul that were sick, parts of me that didn't trust his sovereignty or his unfailing goodness. He needed me to embrace in faith before I could see it or feel it in my body, health and wholeness. Healing from my heart, allowing him to uproot weeds and thorns and thistles. This is garden number three, soil three. In the garden of my heart that were making me sick, mind, body, and spirit. See, it says that we will be as healthy as our soul is. 
I'm on this journey to look at wholeness, health, wholeness, what it looks like um, from a practical, physical sense, but then, of course, it's a spiritual conversation. And see, there were parts of me that had been immediately healed, and there have been parts that the Lord miraculously touched my heart and healed, and then there's been parts of me that he's wanted to go deeper, and he's wanted to go in to the sinews of my heart and go, where is this? Who put this here? I'm your gardener, but I didn't put this here. And so I was crying out for physical healing, but what he was saying was, I want you to be spiritually whole. And so this is this journey. When I could not fight in physical strength, he showed me that the way we deepen the soil in areas where it's shallow is to go back to what he has said and declare our prophecies over our lives that until we believe it, we declare it. See, sometimes you're declaring something you don't believe. But you're telling your spirit man, listen up. (laughs) Buddy, shut up. (laughs) Get in line with my spirit. The word of God has the ability to save my soul. I am not doing the saving. Those doctors are not doing the saving. The specialists are not going to heal me. We understand these things right? They're great and they're good and we honor them and we appreciate their wisdom given by God. But I'm in a position and a predicament where they have no healing for me, right? And I have to say at some point, God, it's got to be you. It's got to be you. It's got to be your word, that living, breathing word that has the ability to save me. I'm going to declare it, and I'm going to shut the enemy up. If you struggle with anxiety and panic attacks, you write the word of God. You read it, and you write it, and then you yell it, and you scream it until the enemy cannot exist anymore in your head, till he cannot be heard. Guys, I look crazy in my car. (laughs) Like crazy, like where you're just like, where's it been? And you're like yelling and it's like my lunch break and students are like, what in the heck, that teacher is so crazy. She gives her kid bleach. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think they love me. I, I think we're good. Um, but the point is like you have to shut the enemy up. He does not get to have a say on your destiny. All power and all authority was taken away from him. So unless you give it back, he has nothing. So the word can save my soul. The word can transform me. So I'm going to declare the word until it becomes a part of who I am and until I believe it. And it deepens the soil in my heart in this area. And then when I walk up to someone, it's not a concept and it's not a theory and it's not a principle like, I'm pretty sure um, God wants to heal you. Let's just try this out. It's like, no, it's his heart. He doesn't contradict his nature. Jesus healed every single person that asked for healing. He healed the masses. He healed it as a retaliation. Do you know one of my favorite verses in the Bible? This isn't in my notes. Sorry, Renee. Um, was that when Jesus found out that John the Baptist had been beheaded, remember this part? He was saddened, and he went up to the mountain, right? And he goes up to the mountain, and he spends time with the Lord, and then he comes down, and it says that he healed all that were sick. It doesn't say they asked for healing. It said he was like, you know what, devil? You want to take one of my friends? You want to take one of these kingdoms? Watch this. Healing! Like, that's awesome, right? He's like, watch this. So is my body perfect? No. Do I have really good days? Yes. Are a lot of them really good? 
Yes. Do I have difficult ones? Yes. Is it going to stop me? No. And you know what? I'm different than I was before this journey. Do, would I wish it on my worst enemy? No. But I'm so thankful. I would never want to wish sickness or wish the, the trial or the struggle. But if I see someone going through it, I encourage them because I see God working in it. And I see God bringing goodness out of it. And though he doesn't cause it, it is a fallen world. We are not home. But he will use everything for your good. And when your prayer becomes, God, get the glory. I want to be well, but I want you more. I want you more. I want your presence more. I want you to heal people through these hands. I want healing to be the bell ringer for people that don't know you. I don't care what this body does. I'm not taking it with me. I believe it's available. I will stand for my healing. But I'm not going to run away from this message because I haven't seen it fully manifest in every way. Because this is what God's doing. And he's given me a heart to heal. So I will preach it and I will say it. And I've come out of this as a daughter, a daughter whose good father loves her. And I've taken my prophecies and I've declared them. And that's what the word says to do. See, in Psalms 105, 19, Renee, we made it to Psalms. I didn't get here last, last service. I didn't get to like half of this stuff. <laughs> it's like a whole new message to me. Um, in Psalms, though, it says, it's talking about Joseph, and it says, until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. So I got a prophetic word, I got a dream in my heart that I would, have a, I would have hands to heal. But until the time came to fulfill my dreams, see, do you read the Bible and put your name in there? <laughs> I do this. It's about me. It's all about me. <laughs> the Lord tested Lacey's character. Until the time came to fulfill my dreams, he tested my character. And then Paul exhorts Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.18 and 19 and says, Use your prophecies as weapons as you wage spiritual warfare in faith with a clean conscience. So now you have a clean soul. Now he's ripped up all the thorns and whistles and weeds that choked out your tender plants. Now your soul is deepened right? Now you have an understanding because you're putting it into practice. So I'm still praying for the sick and I'm seeing them healed. Guys, we've had three legs grow out at our house. Don't tell me he doesn't heal. I've seen it in our youth. Our youth are actually the ones doing the praying. Where's Aaron Petty? He's at Coffee Waves, isn't he? Yes. <laughs> He's working. The point is, is that I'm not going to sky, I'm not going to skirt away from it. Yeah. I'm not going to back away in fear or in unbelief. I'm going to use my prophecies and say, Lord, you said, I believe you. Thank you. Thank you that you would choose me. Thank you that you would use me. Thank you that healing will come out of my hands. Thank you that it's your heart. A hundred percent of the time you're our healer, you're Jehovah Rapha, it's who you are. Thank you that I get to learn about who you are in a new capacity, in a new way, in a way that I never saw in the ones before me. Thank you that I get to pioneer this as a legacy maker. Thank you that my children will see their mama healed. Thank you. 
thank you. And your body hurts, but you're saying thank you. And you're going against like the barren woman in Psalms where he says, cry out and praise the Lord and dance with joy that your child's coming. Though your womb is barren, you, you sing and you dance. And you will be more blessed than the woman who has a multitude of children because you had faith and you had joy before it ever came. And it's what faith is looking like in this season for me. It's what having a good gardener toil the soil, turn it up, turn it over, rip stuff out, plant stuff deeper. That's what it looks like. And my heart this morning is to say that what you're getting on Sunday is not trivial. It's not idle, guys. It's not just like a good word before we go to, well, we call it Jason's Jelly, but... (laughs) just because we have small children. Before we go to Jason's Deli, it's not just like, okay, check, did the church thing this morning. This has the ability to change your life. This has the ability to shut up the devil that wants you to kill yourself and commit suicide. This has the ability to heal your heart when you're still hurt about something that happened 15 years ago and it's robbing you from intimacy in your relationships. This has the ability to drive out every weed thorn and thistle in your garden that the enemy has planted there. And then you use your prophecies as weapon to wage in spiritual warfare, to see the dreams come about that has been spoken over you. And until they come, you rejoice because the Lord is testing your character. And you say, I will be faithful. You'll find me faithful. Guys, that's been my prayer and my cry. Find me faithful. When I'm a mess and I don't have it all together, find me faithful. When I'm in my feelings and my emotions and my flesh and my pain and I'm having to take these medications that I don't want to take and I'm not at my best and I can't work out and my head hurts and my children and my grades aren't and you're in the middle of it, find me faithful. Go somewhere deeper than all of this and find me faithful. Like Joseph, he was preparing my heart and my character for what he always intended and created me to be. Whatever you're going through, guys, you may feel like the words spoken over you or have been dejected and they, don't, they must not apply. It was spoken a long time ago. Do you realize that we live in a world that has time and time stamps and expiration dates, but our God does not have those? That he's timeless? Like, that we will never die. <laughs> that we'll literally just go from one realm to the next, and it's very thin. Come on. It's very, very thin. And so we'll go from one to the next, and who he's preparing us for now is who will be for all of eternity. I want every bit of fruit. I want every refined piece of gold or gem or jewel. I want when he fires the actions of my life for it to have sustainable kingdom legacy written all over it. I don't want it to all burn up in the fire and say, well, you were saved, great job. You went to church, good job. You know, 80% or more of Christians don't read their Bibles. You're in the majority. No, like I want him to say, you knew me. You knew me and you let me cultivate your heart and you encountered me in scary places and you allowed me to drive out fear and my perfect love came in and then you produced fruit, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold of what I did in you, you did for others. 
you did for your children. You know what I think about all the time? I think about him pulling me forward in heaven and him saying, Lacey, these people, you had a say in their salvation. And you know what I'm excited about? All the faces I don't know. All the faces of the ones my children led to the Lord. All the faces of the youth that went on to do amazing things, that went to countries I'll never go to, chartered territory, went into households, went into jobs, went into businesses that I never walked in. And they say, you had a say. You played a part. That's what this is about, guys. It's about, we gotta, it's not just for you. If you're sitting there going, I don't deserve it, like I messed it up, like it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about all those waiting for you to find out who you are and cultivate a good heart so you can show them that and produce fruit. People waiting for you to wake up. I was reading something the other day that said Jesus, he's so patient and he's long-suffering, but guys, we have a good house here. We have good seed. And I don't want him to wait on me as I wrestle with the enemy and give him distraction in too much of my time. And so this morning, if you're listening and you're thinking, I don't know what God created me to be, I've received zero prophetic words. Number one, please get in relationship here. This is a prophetic culture, and we don't always get it right. Like, we're not perfect. Like, we're practicing hearing the Lord. And sometimes it might not resonate with you in the moment, and it could resonate six months down the road. The point is, get in relationship, because we're, we're really intentional about hearing his voice. Get in relationship. Let's give you some prophetic words. Let's see what the Lord is saying about you. You know, for six months, I didn't hear much of what the Lord was saying to me directly. I would worship. I'd spend time with him. And I would say, what do I have? What's wrong with me? What's the sickness? <laughs> Heal me. What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And he would say, I'm here with you. And I love you. And I was like, you know. Okay. <laughs> um, but you know where I heard the voice of the Lord and friends and family? I had a dream about you. This is what God said. We were sitting in a women's meeting And Melissa wrote a word for me on a napkin (laughs) at Flourish. You know, God just showed me this about you. And people have had dreams that I hardly even know. God is saying this and God is saying that. And I heard the voice of the Lord through my family, not even in the secret place, because he was pretty quiet there. His presence was tangible, but I didn't hear these things. He was allowing me to trust my family to hear on my behalf. So get in relationship. We want to pray with you this morning. If you don't have any prophetic words, if you don't know what you were created to be, we want to pray with you. And if there's a a condition of your soil somewhere in an area of your life that you're like, you know what, this spoke to me, it's shallow. Or I know that it's filled with things that God didn't plant and there's thorns and thistles and it's choking out the good. We want to pray with you. I'm going to invite... Thank you. I'm going to invite my ministry team up. And I just want to, I want to bless you this morning. I want to pray with you this morning. I'm going to pray that this word, as you leave here this morning, that it begins to resonate and germinate and cultivate something inside of you. That he would encounter you and that you would experience him in an entirely new way. Today as you leave and this week. So God, I just, I thank you for meeting us here this morning.
I thank you that you're so faithful, Jesus. I bless every ear that is heard here in this room or online, wherever you are. I just, I bless you mightily today that you were always created as a son and a daughter to return home to your heavenly father, to know his voice, that he would become the gardener of your heart.